0: So last week, I finally got around to reading this article that had kind of been shared around social media uh, maybe a month ago or so, but it was written by John Wall, um, former UK basketball player, one of my favorites, actually. He was awesome. Um, but he's also a current, an NBA player right now. And in his article, it, it, was, it was shared a lot because he was so real and he was so authentic about some struggles he's had over the last few years. And in the article, uh, John Wall describes this kind of long, dark season in his life where he kind of lost sight of who he was. He lost track of himself. You know, everybody would assume that an NBA player with all this fame and talent um, and notoriety would be pretty happy and and kind of have a fulfilled life. That's what most people would assume. Though he said that all the money and fame didn't mean anything because he didn't have peace in his life. He lost his mother, uh, who had a, was kind of this steady force in his life, who kept him grounded. Our mothers are also usually pretty good people to remind us who we are, to keep us connected to our past and also help us have courage to enter into the future. His mother reminded him of who he was, apart from all the money and the fame and the basketball. And he describes this long journey, uh, kind of rediscovering himself going to therapy and just digging in and and finding support and ultimately finding peace in his life. And I want to ask you all a question this morning. Have you ever felt like you lost yourself? Have you ever felt like you kind of just lost yourself? That, That maybe you got to a point in your life when you looked in the mirror and you didn't really recognize the person who you were seeing, the person that you had become. Or maybe you started living your life in such a way that just kind of slowly just became like really out of sync with your values and like who you really want to be. I've worked with young people for, for many, many years and, and I remember when I was young, this is, this is just a hard season of life and often like, you know, we're making decisions about where we're going to go when we're that age. And, and, and I know that that's often a struggle for young people to kind of even figure out who they are. And then it's very easy to kind of get off course and forget kind of who you want to be in your life. And, and it's true for all of us of all ages. If you're like me, then you may be prone to kind of get off course sometimes. you ever kind of just get off track and you're like, man, I'm not feeling like I'm on the right path right now. For me, it's kind of the stress and the busyness the anxieties of life and ministry and the problems of life, I am prone to get very overwhelmed by them all. They can become kind of all-consuming. Laura and I, we've discovered that we need, over the summer, some extended time off every single year because I need to just step back and I need to take some time away to kind of refocus, to recalibrate, to realign myself and rediscover who I am. And ultimately, to be reminded that I have value and worth apart from any career or salary or role in my community, that I have value and worth apart from my successes and my failures. Ultimately, I need to be reminded that I am a beloved child of God, that I am a follower of Jesus, and that is enough, right? That's what defines me, that's what keeps me grounded. And we sang that song about how much God loves us. If we truly believe that we were loved that much, (laughs) then it would provide the foundation we need to enter this, all the challenges, without the fear that's going to paralyze us and keep us from moving forward. Today, we're going to look at a story about a man who kind of lost his way. (laughs) He forgot who he was, and he needed to be brought back to his true identity. It's a story about a man named Zacchaeus. Have you all heard of Zacchaeus before? Um, he's a, he was a Jewish man, and he was also a chief tax collector, collaborating with the oppressive Roman Empire. I want to set the stage for our story before I read it, alright? So Jesus, back in Luke chapter 9, we've been in Luke almost the entire year. Back in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, it says that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. And that, what that did is that initiated this long, kind of back and forth, roundabout journey of Jesus traveling towards His fate in Jerusalem. We are finally coming to the end of His journey in Luke chapter 19. In the previous chapter, in Luke chapter 18, it says that Jesus approached Jericho, which is a city about 12 miles outside of Jerusalem. So He's getting close. He's almost there, just 12 miles away. Now in chapter 19, he's entered Jerusalem Jericho, and he's passing through on his way to Jerusalem. And this is where our story picks up for today. All right, and just a warning before we read it, this is another story about money, all right? It's another story about wealth, about economics, and the way we handle resources and our wealth. I was talking with uh, Christina and Rachel on Thursday, and And I said to to both of them, I was like, you know, I've talked a lot about money lately in my sermons. I was like, maybe people are tired of it, and I should just not do that this week. And then we all agreed, though, that we got to keep talking about it because Jesus keeps bringing it up. And so hopefully when you think of the Gospel of Luke, you will think of money and wealth and Jesus' teachings on these things. Because you can't get around it in Luke. Luke talks about economic justice, more than any of the Gospels, and it's all over the place. Jesus won't stop telling stories about it. He won't stop talking and teaching about it. And so I think if Jesus is going to keep bringing it up, we got to talk about it here. All right, so blame Jesus, not me. So let me read the story. That should be my motto. Blame Jesus, not me. Just kidding. That could get unhealthy quickly. I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to read the text, Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. And this may be a a, a popular, this is kind of a popular story, and and you may have preconceived notions about what it's about going into it. So I want you all to try to check those at the door and just be open to wherever God may lead you this morning and what God may want you to see or hear as we read this text. So Jesus entered Jericho, 12 miles outside of Jerusalem, and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was short and could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So there are three characters in this story. You have Zacchaeus, Jesus, and the crowd, all right, we're going to call the crowd a character, because in the... In the Gospels, the crowds are kind of, they kind of are a character. They have their own kind of way of doing things. We know how crowds often work. They work very similarly similarly in the Gospels. They kind of move about. They follow Jesus. They're not quite committed, but they're interested, and they like the fame. They like all that. So they're following around Jesus, who's kind of getting a lot of um, attention. So Jesus entered Jericho on his way to Jerusalem. The text tells us that he was passing through. But he still had time for a life-changing encounter with this man named Zacchaeus. Immediately, this made me wonder about all the times I'm passing through from one thing to another. And it made me wonder, do I take the time to notice the people on my path as I'm passing through? Or do I just press on through and miss important experiences along the way, right? I'm very prone to do that. Jesus didn't just pass on through. We're introduced to a man named Zacchaeus. Now, you've probably heard of Zacchaeus uh, before if you've grown up in church. Uh, There's a terrible song about him that I learned as a child that referred to him as a wee little man. This song does not give an accurate representation of who Zacchaeus was. We know a few things about Zacchaeus from the text. He was a Jew. He was a chief tax collector and he was a wealthy man. All right? He was much more than just a wee little man. All of these facts actually are very important to the story. I want to remind you about tax collectors. It's interesting that last week was a story about a tax collector as well. This week is another story about a tax collector. And not just any tax collector, a chief tax collector. I want you all to remember that Tax collectors were not well-liked among Jewish people in the first century. It's obvious why they wouldn't be liked. They were viewed as sellouts or traitors who were working with the enemy and making money by taking advantage of their own people. The Roman Empire was in charge during that time. They were living under the rule of this occupying force. And so Jewish people that time, they were having to pay taxes to Rome to fund the empire. That's kind of how Rome worked. It was an extraction economy. They would take over all these surrounding places and extract extract resources from the conquered nations. And one way they did that was by land taxes, taxes on produce, taxes on a lot of things. And these were often oppressive taxes, not like many that we pay today just to kind of fund the government and have society work. This was like pretty oppressive stuff going on. And so they would go and they would recruit local people in these conquered nations to help them collect those taxes. And so they would go to Israel and they recruit Jewish people and say, hey, we'll pay you and you can collect taxes and we're not going to ask any questions about how you collect taxes. And so many of these folks would go out and they would maybe, maybe they're supposed to collect $5 for each person, maybe they collect $8 for each person. What are they doing with the extra three? They're putting it in their pocket, right? They're getting rich off the backs of their own people, everyday poor working folks. And so these tax collectors, needless to say, uh, were not very well liked because Jews didn't like it that, that their own people were taking advantage of them and working with the oppressive kind of occupying force. So Zacchaeus was one of these tax collectors, but he had risen up not just to be a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector he was resourceful he was business minded right he likely had minions working for him going throughout Jericho collecting taxes and bringing their profits back to him and so he was actually collecting lots of money and it says that he was a wealthy man and so this was working for him financially Also, Jericho was a very important city during that time. It was near the Jordan River. It had very fertile farmland. It was near the major city of Jerusalem. And so in Jericho, there would have been a lot of taxes to collect, a lot of money to be made. And so this explains Zacchaeus' wealth. He was a rich man because of his lucrative profession of being a chief tax collector there was a chance he was kind of notorious in that area known as someone who could not be trusted so for whatever reason Zacchaeus he wanted to know who Jesus was he he wanted to see him he wanted to know what this guy was about maybe maybe he had like bad moves maybe he's doing surveillance i don't know maybe he wanted to see who this guy revolutionary figure coming through his town was that could have been part of it who knows Uh, Perhaps he was intrigued just by all the commotion that was going on, the crowds following this man. Maybe he had heard about Jesus, and, and maybe he wanted a way out of this kind of profession that had him kind of shackled down to an unjust way of living in the world. Maybe he heard Jesus was a guy who could give him freedom, and he wanted to meet Jesus and be set free. We don't know what his motives were, but we know he was on a quest to know who Jesus was. But he encountered a problem. The crowds around Jesus were so great that he could not see Jesus. It is possible the crowds were intentionally kind of keeping him out, right? Because they know who Zacchaeus was, probably. They didn't, maybe didn't like Zacchaeus because of his reputation, his profession. They were hindering him from getting to Jesus. Makes me wonder the people maybe I've hindered from getting to Jesus. The text also says that he was short, Now, an interesting fact here, and we're not going to get into it too much, but I find it interesting. The Greek here is actually really unclear who is short in this situation. It could have been saying that Jesus was actually the short one, and that's why Zacchaeus couldn't see him. Because you could see a crowd there. If Jesus is short, you're not going to see him over the crowd. So the Greek's not clear. There's actually could also be saying that Zacchaeus was young and has nothing to do with his height. Um, And so it just shows you sometimes our our translations that we're reading are often interpretations of something and it's not clear and so the writers have to make a de- or the interpreters have to make a decision on kind of what direction they're going to go. All we know though it doesn't it doesn't really matter all that much but all we know is that Z- Zacchaeus needed to climb a tree in order to get a good view of Jesus. I find it interesting that Zacchaeus the notorious chief tax collector with all this power in Jericho climbed a tree in that way. Kids kind of are the ones who climb trees, right? This is a a grown man who's kind of very notorious and powerful climbing up a tree to get a glimpse of Jesus. That could have been a bit humiliating and embarrassing for him. So I think he really wanted to see Jesus. So while in the tree, uh, Jesus finally caught up to Zacchaeus. And instead of just passing on by, he saw Zacchaeus in the tree He went over to Zacchaeus in the tree. He called him by name. And I I wonder, how did he know his name? He knew Zacchaeus' name. And he told him to come down immediately. And then he invited himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus uh, did exactly what Jesus told him to do. He got out of the tree quickly. And he welcomed Jesus into his home gladly. He was really excited of having Jesus over to his place. Now Zacchaeus was full of joy when he had to have Jesus over. He was happy, it says he did it gladly, but not everybody else. Luke tells us that all the people grumbled, they complained that Jesus would go into Zacchaeus's home. They said, He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now this was not about purity laws or any of that. This was that he was a sinner because he was hurting the Jewish people. And they did not like him because of the way he was engaging in his business. And so they did not think Jesus would hang out with somebody like that and certainly not go into his home. And so that makes sense they would be angry that he was going over there. Zacchaeus was the enemy, the traitor, the sellout who was getting rich off their backs. You know, this crowd loved this shows you kind of how the crowds often work. They love following Jesus around, but apparently they hadn't learned very much from him up until that point. <laughs> Jesus had shown them over and over and over again that he wasn't playing by their rules and that God's love extended to everyone, including tax collectors, yet they couldn't see clearly yet. They didn't have the eyes of God. Zacchaeus was so impacted by this encounter with Jesus And maybe he was impacted by the way the crowd responded. Maybe he had a moment of clarity when he saw what they thought of him. But regardless of why, in that moment, he did something incredibly radical. Something shocking. Something outrageous and unexpected. You know, sometimes I look at people and I think, there's no way they can ever change. (laughs) Y'all probably thought that recently. I think, man, they're so far gone. Like they are so corrupted by money and power and greed. They can never change. Texts like this should cause us to think differently. Because Zacchaeus went through a major life transformation. Zacchaeus declared in that moment he was going to make some big changes to the way he did his business. He committed from that point on. He says, right now, I pledge, I will do this, I'm giving away half of my possessions to the poor. And not only that, if I've cheated anybody, Jesus is probably thinking, if you cheated anybody, of course you cheated someone. He said, I'll do the research, if I've cheated anyone, right, I'm going to pay them back. I'll pay them back what I cheated them. And not only that, I'm going to pay them back four times what I cheated them out of. I don't know how sustainable that's going to be long term, but like, That's what he was committing to doing. Maybe it shows how much wealth he really did have. This chief tax collector in Jericho who had been stealing from his people, getting rich off the backs of the poor and everyday folks, was going to start giving away half of his wealth to the poor and even was going to give reparations to those that he had harmed? That's crazy. Jesus then told him after this, he said, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus, a Jew, a son of Abraham, beloved and chosen by God, had lost his way. In the previous chapter, uh, Jesus healed a blind man just in the story right before this. And I think that Luke is showing us there's two stories about blind folks. One folk was blind because he was poor and he needed Jesus to heal him. And he had suffered because the society had not helped him. Zacchaeus was on the other side of it. Zacchaeus was also blind and he needed to see. He needed to be healed. He couldn't see with God's eyes anymore. He had lost track of his identity as someone called by God to bless others, not cheat others. He had lost track of the fact that he was created in God's image called to share God's peace and love and justice with the people in his community. He had lost track of his commitment to love and serve God, not love and serve wealth and power. He had lost himself and he was far away from home. Yet he met Jesus and Jesus called him home. Jesus reminded him who he was. And when Zacchaeus remembered who he was, when he remembered who he was, he could no longer live the way he had been living. You know, I love that 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 Jesus called him a son of Abraham. He said, you are a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus was a Jew, a son of Abraham. Yet he had aligned himself with the Romans and got all wrapped up in the exploitation and the oppression and all the messed up practices of the Roman Empire. Today, I would say that many Christians have gotten all wrapped up in America and capitalism and power And we've forgotten that we follow Jesus (laughs) who was a poor brown Jewish man who lived in Palestine. As a son of Abraham, a Jew called by God, Zacchaeus should have been sharing his resources. He should have been caring for the poor. This is what the Jews were taught to do. This was part of their faith. He should have been trusting in God's faithfulness, not worshiping idols, working for peace and shalom in Jericho. But instead, he was building up his own wealth and power, taking advantage of others and doing violence and harm to his neighbors in Jericho. Yet, when he met Jesus, he was reminded who he really was. Underneath of all the bad mistakes, the bad decisions, the hurt he had caused others and himself. And when Jesus called him back to himself, to his true identity in God, he had no choice but to change the way he lived in the world. For Zacchaeus, he had to be a different type of tax collector from that point on. A tax collector who was committed to economic justice and care for other people. He had lost his way in his pursuit of wealth and power, but Jesus called him back home. I think this story is powerful. This story is power for each and every one of us. This story is power for change. This story is power to realign ourselves with the purposes of God. It is power to leave behind the idols that we have of our day. Of money, of privilege, of whiteness, of greed, of selfishness, of pride, of anger. Because of Jesus, those of us who have given ourselves to Him are all sons and daughters of Abraham. We actually have been adopted into God's family through what Jesus did on the cross, and through his life, now we all belong to God as well. And from there, from that point, everything else in our life ought to flow. When we see who we are in God, we know that everything must change. You know, it's interesting, very, very interesting. Right before this, in chapter 18 of Luke, there's the story of the rich young ruler. Have y'all, y'all remember this story? You've made, it's also told in Mark as well. And so a wealthy and powerful man comes to Jesus, and he's wanting salvation. He's like, Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus was able to see what this man had going in his life, and he said, well, if you want to get get a part of the kingdom of God, you're going to have to sell your possessions. You're going to have to start giving to the poor. And now, if y'all know the story, you know that the rich man went away sad because he had all the possessions, and he wasn't willing to part with any of it. And so it's an interesting story. And Jesus says after that, he says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. He says it's in fact easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. That's very hard, right? But then right after that, he says, but all things are possible with God. Now the story of Zacchaeus comes right after that. And it is an example of a wealthy person who was all wrapped up in money and power who found salvation and was actually able to enter into the kingdom of God. And he did it by remembering who he was and then responding with economic justice and redistribution of all the excess that he had. Through his radical, reckless, and bold actions, he he was set free. He was able to be set free. Zacchaeus could not be the same kind of tax collector after he met Jesus and remembered who he was in God, he had to change. He may have not been able to survive as a tax collector much longer after that, if that's the way he's going to do business now, giving away half of all his income, right? Repaying people that kind of amount. But the point is that he, was a, he knew he had to shift in that moment because he became face-to-face with who God was and who he was in his relationship to God. Just like any of us, you can't be the same kind of business owner after you discover your identity as a child of God. You can't be the same mom or the same dad as you were before once you discover who you are in God. You can't be the same employee, the same girlfriend, the same boyfriend, or investor, or server, or bartender, or writer, or student, or son, or daughter. Our identity as children of God who are deeply loved and called to a great purpose ought to influence the way we do our lives, the way we live our lives here in this world. You are loved by God. You are a child of God. And Jesus has called each and every one of us to follow him and to work with him in this world, to build families and communities and businesses and cities and organizations that are healthy and whole and committed to love and compassion and justice. So Zacchaeus is an example to me of someone who was able to see that (laughs) and was able to see that he had lost track of who he was, that he was loved and called by God. He was part of God's family. (laughs) And once he realized it, everything had to change. So maybe you feel like you've lost sight of who you are. You've lost your way. My hope is that you can experience Jesus today and be reminded of who you are and then be led like Zacchaeus to shed anything and to make changes and to do what you need to do to kind of. Push away those things that are getting in the way of you living into the fullness of who you are in Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.